Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Kane Gang. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it. I put my heart in this dog. Let's go, man. Let's go. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. You're listening to Kane Gang, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Orange and green, that's Kane Gang. You ready to storm 18? That's Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another edition of the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. As always, it's your boy DC. On the other end is the Dirty Bird. And tonight, we got a special guest joining us all the way from, from the GA, from Georgia, Mr. John Michaels. John, what's going on, man? What's up, guys? How you doing? It's, uh, it's a great to see you again. I haven't seen you since Clemson last year. And here we are, getting ready for another <laughs> big Miami season. I know you're right. You know, it's funny. You know, you bring up that Clemson game. And uh, <laughs> pour, pouring down rain most of the day. Kind of, kind of fizzled off a little bit during the game, and then just another monsoon like towards the second half, and kind of got our asses handed to us. What do you think? Oh, sure, that was <laughs> awesome. And then my poor twelve-year-old sitting there. It's a little bit cold. He didn't really dress for the occasion. And, and then we, and I'm, Cole, I'm sure you had the same thing. We had like a mile walk. Walk. Oh, it was the, it was the worst. And then from being, you were staying in Atlanta, so we went right from there. Then you got the 95 mile, 100 mile drive back. That was one of the worst trips I've been to in a long time. Oh. But got to meet you, hung out with Brad Tejada. We had a really good time. Yeah, it, it, the game notwithstanding. You know, and, and Bird. So you know, again, obviously, you know, like uh, Brad had, you know, he had linked up with me, and you know, we kind of met up in Atlanta, and then drove over to the game. And sure. obviously, you know, obviously, the wife, you know, Maria was there. And she's a trooper. Like my wife goes everywhere, and like, and I felt bad because like I'm that guy in the pouring rain. Like, I'm not putting a poncho on. Like, I'm literally – I'm not getting my man card revoked for any reason, right? Like, I'm literally sitting there in the pouring rain, and she's just a trooper. You know, she's covered up. And, and again, you know what? I, I, I'm always used to the losses now, especially on road games. And she, and she always brings this up. She's like, every time we go to a road game, we lose. And I'm like, it's not about the game per se. It's about the memories and things like that. And I really would have liked to seen that game, like, in a full capacity. Like right. just you know, just because of that atmosphere. But with twenty thousand fans, it still was pretty loud and pretty rocking. So, uh, but yeah, it was a good time, man. Obviously, like you said, the the, the walk back, and again, it, it bird, it literally opened up on us on the walk back. Mm-hmm. And gosh, man, and then you know, you get in the car and you got to drive for an hour and a half, two hours, soaking wet, and whatever. That's another story in itself. Yeah. That, was, that was like that walk back in Dallas, man, from the stadium to the parking lot where we were, man. It was torturous. Oh. You know, I was going to say with that Dallas trip, you know, the good and the bad, I was supposed to go to that LSU game. And all of a sudden my wife decides to book because it's right there at the end of the summer. Hey, we're going to take the kids and her family come from New Orleans. We're going to go to Panama City. So I'm livid that I don't get to go to Dallas for LSU. But as we're watching the game on uh, Labor Day night, I go, thank goodness. I'm Dallas. And she looks at me and she goes, I'm really happy that you weren't in Dallas because something bad would have happened. Oh, man. It's, it's great, though, because, again, like we went out to Dallas and I always look at road trips as an experience to do other things. Right. So. So, John, we had went out to Dallas. You know, the wife and I went out to Dallas, didn't have the kids with us, just took, you know, just her and I. But we did other things like we went to the stockyards in Dallas, Fort Worth. We drove over to Waco and kind of went to like a David Koresh compound. Like so there's just like that's what road trips to me are all about is just being able to do different things. The outcome's the outcome. I can't change that. Hopefully we win. If we do lose, hopefully it's competitive. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. So, so John, again, I appreciate you joining us today on the Kang Gang Show. 
I got a couple things to ask you. So obviously you're a contributor for the State of the U. Um, you're a host of the uh, the Miami the State of the Miami podcast. What exactly got you into the University of Miami, like as far as the football, you know, per se? Like what, what got you involved in that? Well, I grew up in South Florida, first and foremost. Uh, born in Broward General Hospital, lived in Miami, lived in Fort Lauderdale, lived in West Palm Beach. My grandfather actually used to sneak into Miami games back in the 50s. And this is how I became a fan. 1980, Miami was second year under Howard Schnellenberger, was going to the Peach Bowl to play Virginia Tech. And I'm like seven. My grandfather keeps talking all week. Biggest game Miami's played in 20 years. And I, yeah, I just wanted to watch Burton Ernie on Sesame Street. I, no doubt. I, I had no idea what was going on. But anyway, I saw the excitement for him. And we sat and we watched the Peach Bowl in Miami won 27-13, something like that. And from that day on, I go, you know what? If this makes my grandfather happy, I'm going to start watching Miami football. And I was a big you know, working radio now. But, you know, back in those days, I used to listen to a lot of the broadcasts. And I started listening to Miami baseball. And I remember it was the late, great Sonny Hirsch who was calling all the games and Rick Rather, the saver, I think he yeah. was in the late eighties, but this was what kind of got me into Miami. And then obviously the 1983 run is, is the one that we all remember. And as a kid, I'm nine now or 10 at that time. And I'm starting to really paying paying attention to Miami. And I'm listening every week and I'm watching the games that are on TV. And I remember the national title game. And for whatever reason, I guess the next day was the first day of school. And my mom goes, you can watch the first quarter of the national title game. And I stayed up and watched it. Miami's up 17, nothing. And I promise the first time in my life, and maybe the last at 5 a.m. involuntarily, I jumped up to look at the news and I saw Miami won the game. And I've been hooked ever since. And, you know, I can't even imagine even thinking about another program. That's a you dope know, story. That is dope. You know, <laughs> and, and along those lines, so you and I must be around around the same age. I'm, I'm 47. I was born in 1974. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, it, it's kind of like that for me, like, Growing, I was born in New York and moved down to South Florida when I was like five years old. And, you know, down here in South Florida, you start playing, you know, Pop Warner, you start playing Little League yep. football and things like that. And then, you know, I remember the, the 83 game, but I, I really didn't get really heavily involved into it until the 86 Fiesta Bowl. Like when they came off that plane and they're dressing those fatigues, right. that literally gave me goosebumps. I'm like, who the heck are these dudes? And look at them. Like they're like men. Like, and, and that's the that's the thing that I look back at now. We look back at some of those teams in the in the early 80s. Like the players that we have today don't even compare size-wise, like muscle-wise. Like, like when we went to Clemson, they look like grown men. Yep. That's what Miami used to look like, not like they look today, you know? Uh, but, yeah, that's how I got hooked too, man. It was just something really simple. Like I said, I saw them come off that plane, and I was like, I like their attitude. I, that word swagger, I didn't know about that word swagger back in 1986, but I kind of liked what they were going with. And uh, so, yeah, that's what kind of got me hooked on that. Um, so, obviously, you do some writing with State of the U and stuff. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me how you got involved in that, you know, and stuff like that. Honestly, I was in between radio gigs. I got let go from a station up here, and I, Cam had posted something that said, you know, I'm looking for writers. And I said, you know what? I had a lot of free time. I was doing a little bit of radio work at home, but I always wanted to do something involved with the University of Miami, whether it was writing for somebody, doing radio down there at QAM or wherever it may be, or anything. And I responded to an ad, and Cam said, hey, write me something about the University of Miami. I wrote an article, and he goes, boom, you're on board. So very easy <laughs> shout out to Cam. I mean, but it's something that, you know, it, I was never in that for the money. It's literally just, I love talking about Miami and that gives me a platform to write about. Them. Right. Right. What, um, do you follow any recruiting? I mean, are you heavily into recruiting or so I'm a big proponent of until they sign that LOI, I really don't care. I mean, I'll get a little bit of, you know, 
I'll, I'll check some tweets and I'll check out some of the recruits, but with today's, like today's generation with the flipping of the cap and throwing this, like it's just too much, you know, prima donnaism in it for me. How do you feel when it comes to recruiting? Are, are you into it or you're not into it? I'm kind of the same way as you. Like I'll pay attention if we pick up a, a commit and all the coaches tweet about it. Cool. Awesome. But I don't get, I, I kind of feel weird to be honest with you. It's 17 year old kids. You know, what do I look like when a 17 year old kid decides to do if he goes to Miami or Florida or South Florida? You know, good yeah. for him. Yeah. I've got kids almost that age. So I do watch it. Obviously, you want, you know, when it comes to signing day, the recruits to be and the rankings to be up in the top of the top 24 7 rankings. But what do I care about today? It's July. It's the middle of yeah, July. Sure. You know what I was doing? I want to be by the pool. I don't care yeah. if some 16 or 17 year old threw a hat and decided, hey, I'm going to come to our school. So yeah. a little bit, but. Outside of the overall rankings, when they come in, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, people people get all up in their feelings, man. I mean, it's like I enjoy it. I follow it. Like, I, you know, I, I recreationally follow it, you know, and I'll tweet at a kid just like, hey, good luck, or, you know, or, or I'll throw a Canes gif on there. But, you know, like I will never argue with another fan base in their, in their, in their comments. I'll never, you know, sit there and try to be like, oh, you should come here and here's why, or, oh, you know, Gainesville sucks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, I mean, that does, that, that's, true, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, of Gainesville course it does. does. <laughs> yeah, but everybody knows that, yeah. or at least they should. <laughs> you know, and that's the hard part, right? Like, I used to get really excited for, like, that first Wednesday in February. Like, to mm-hmm. me, that just meant something, right? Today with the early signing, and, and now it doesn't even mean anything anymore with the portal, right? Because, again, right. you can land a five-star, number one, you know, player in the country – you know what? He's not getting any PT. I'm just going to the portal. I'm leaving. So I think college football has completely changed as far as how they're doing recruiting. Um, and again, it's all a show. It's all a show these days. It's not like this is where I'm going. I'm solid on my commitment. And this is where I feel maybe I'm different than a lot of fan bases, John, because I'll tell you why. Once you commit to Miami, like I'm a root for you, right? Right. Once you sign that LOI, now I'm following you like to, to, to the fullest, right? You put that you on your helmet. You report like, dude, you're locked in. You're a cane for life. There's too right. many. There's too many players that just commit, decommit, commit to another school, decommit from that school. To me, it means you're not really serious about where you want to go, and that's where you get these these portal guys, right? So, you know, the way that college football is going, I don't, especially now with the NIL, I don't know what's going to happen to college football. And to me, college football is the best thing going. Like college basketball, to me, is second. Um, I'm not a big pro fan in any sport. I mean, I'll watch it like recreational. But to me, like Saturday, like from 6 a.m. till 2 in the morning, because I'm catching those West Coast games too, right? Like, like that is yeah. how I'm locked in on those things, you know? And that's why I feel like Miami really needs to start playing like teams out West, man. Like, let's go do some stuff. And, you know, I know we played Cal in a bowl game, but let's go out West and have right. some fun out West too. So, um, so yeah. What do you think the future of the program is looking like? And what do you, do you think Manny is that guy? Man, that's a tough question. Um, do I think Manny's the guy? Yeah, probably get back to me in December. What I do like <laughs> about what he's done so far, he realized first year, my offense isn't very good. What does he do? He fires his OC. He goes out and gets a better one in Rhett Lashley. Last year, he realized Blake Baker probably isn't that dude at defensive quarter today. Now, he kind of moved around the way that he did it. He didn't just openly fire Blake, but he moved on from him. So Al Golden's doing something that Mark Rick didn't want to do because of family that Al Golden didn't want to do because he was too close to Mark D'Onofrio, that Randy Shannon, quite frankly, didn't have the money to do. Manny's at least seen the problems and gone out and rectified the problems. Realized he didn't have a quarterback? Let's go get De'Ara King. So I do think he's the right type of guy. 
Now what I need to see on Saturday against North Carolina is where's the adjustments. What I need to see on this coming at the beginning of the year, can you match wits with Nick Saban head-to-head and maybe come up with a game plan that can really get after it? When I see that, then I'll believe that Manny Diaz is the guy. All the other ancillary stuff, I think he's good at. He's a Miami guy through and through. He bleeds orange and green. Like He really wants this program to succeed. He's put his best foot forward in trying to bring different guys along. But it just comes down to the X's and O's. The ancillary stuff's great. Now i got to win games. As far as the future of the program, we're in a really delicate state, but we're in a lot better shape than we were a decade ago. You guys live down there. You know how tough it was. 2010 and Uh even 2012-13, when you're playing in front of that completely empty stadium in a a horribly built facility, and it just looked the optics were bad. What you've seen now, the program's ascending in the right direction. You go to a lot of other schools and go eight and three in your second year as a coach, and people are going bananas. Yeah. What was our eight and three year ending up? People mad at the end of the year because Manny Diaz got blown out by Carolina, and we lost a game, uh, obviously, against Oklahoma State. But I think the program's ascending. The money's starting to come around again. You've got the right type of coaches in place, and it looks like you've got some of the right players coming in. I think they're going to be good. It's just a matter of can they be national title good? I don't think they're really even close to that yet. But they can get back to being top ten. So, so here's my here's my dilemma on this, right? So, and I and I agree with you one hundred percent. Manny's writing the wrongs that he's kind of you know did in the beginning of his career. Obviously, going six and seven that that first year was just putrid. I mean, those three losses to FIU, La Tech, and Duke. Like again, you know what? It is what it is. You got to move on for that. You know, again, then you go eight and three. Again, you should have beat Oak State. And if you play Georgia Tech and to finish out the season, you know, you're probably right. sitting at 10 and two, right? The Clemson game was probably already a wash. You know, you knew you were losing that game. The Carolina game does sting a little bit. And I look at it like this Stacey Searles, <laughs> coaching over there at Carolina on the O line, he knew exactly what Blake Baker and them were going to do on right. the defense, right? So that's where I feel like Manny should have had some adjustments already set for that. Say, hey, Blake. We can't push our ends up the field so quick. We got to try to help out, you know, bring them back. But again, moving forward into this season, are we competitive enough to at least compete against Alabama? Now, Bird and I have talked on this on multiple times. If there was every year to play Alabama, and again, mm-hmm. it's still Alabama, this is probably the best opportunity. Miami has always been the last few years being that unmature, underage, the, the younger team. Now, going into Alabama, you are the mature, over, you know, like I don't want to use the right word. You just senior laden, you know, you know, experienced team. Do you agree with that? And and is this the time to play Alabama? Yeah, it absolutely is the time to play Alabama. They have three starters back on the offensive side of the ball. They're breaking in a new quarterback, obviously new receiving core, new running backs. And you get them in the first game of the season. And I know Nick Saban's been super successful. Like though you go back and look at any of the kickoff classics they're in, they normally blow people out. But it is still the first game of the season with all of these new pieces, new coordinators, and coming off a national title. And you hope maybe there's a national title hangover. I also think now when we get the guys that are back for their sixth year, think about the last decade. How many guys from Miami have left and go to the NFL and get drafted in the sixth round and you never hear from them again? We never seem to keep our senior class. Now all of a sudden with the, the NCAA given the extra year, with guys deciding to stick around, Derek King obviously being the biggest one, but you've now got upper, you've got grown men on the field. You're going to have 22 yeah. or 23 year olds on the field, maybe going against 18 and 19 year olds. And think back to our time when we were, you know, that age gap, you mature a whole lot. Right. Something Miami hasn't had that maturity in a long time. 
I think you do catch Alabama at the right time. And uh, I know there's going to be about 20,000 of us at that stadium. And I've warned everybody in Atlanta, we are going to go nuts. Enjoy <laughs> yeah. Miami folks in town. I told my wife, I said, I said, you ain't going to worry about us if we lose that game. Cause you know, I know we're, we're, you know, we're facing Goliath. I told her, I said, we win that game oh. and you better pray. <laughs> Cause she's going to be there with us. I've been telling people like, if the, if the chance that Miami does, and, and I actually have Miami winning this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do. I think, I think the cards are, are lined up in our favor. Again, you know, I look at a lot of the seniors that decided to come back again, you know, going against Florida back, you know, a couple of years ago when you're starting Zion Nelson as a true freshman, 18 year old right. kid, DN's killing him. Uh, again, we don't have that, you know, stud per se DN, but I think Zach McLeod, Jahar Farvey, uh, Stevenson, the kid from Tennessee coming. I think we have enough there. And again, with Nesta and Miller and Ford and those guys and Leonard Taylor in the middle, I think right. that's going to help us, you know, you know, I, I think it'll catapult us for a win. Um, but again, I, I'm looking at, do I go to jail that night if Miami wins? Do I store, do I storm the field? What happens? Cause I, I don't know, man, but bird, we'll talk about that in a minute. John, we're going to go to break real quick here on the Ken gang radio show on Sirius XM. Channel 145 Slam Radio. We'll catch you guys in a quick minute. Just hang on and we'll uh, we'll be right back. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungo by Lowe. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't, you I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva contra la caballota, la reina y mi cuy. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. 
And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Radio show bird chop with bird dirty bird and we're chopping up with uh, Mr. John Michaels over there in, in in the in the great state of Georgia. Um, I was gonna say something about the like the political presidential election, <laughs> but I decided to uh, keep that to a minimum. So <laughs> you know, that uh, that whole situation there was just you know in Georgia was going crazy. So John, we're talking about the Miami you know future of the Miami program and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this past week some things came out with the SEC, Texas, Oklahoma. What is your take on that? And do you think that is beneficial to college football or do you think that's going to be a black eye for college football? Uh, I don't like it, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I always go back to growing up watching football. I liked how it was regionalized. You knew the SEC was here. The ACC was over there. Obviously, the Big Eight and the Southwest Conference. I think now you cannibalize. And, you know, there's a talk that we're going to go to a 12-team playoff coming up soon. If the SEC, and they go to that model where it's six conference champions and six at large, and now you add Oklahoma and Texas, I could conceivably see the SEC every year getting four or five teams in the playoffs. And I think where the playoff is right now and where college football has been hurting is the fact that we've really had the same six or seven teams over and over and over again. And I think people have really got the fatigue for that. I don't like now adding two. Texas isn't a great team right now, but they've got the money to be great. I don't like adding those two to an already superpower conference because what my fear is moving forward, the Big 8 or the Big 12 is going to disappear. I think four are going to the Pac-12 and the other three are going to beg for homes wherever they may be. The ACC is going to have to make some moves and kind of go some different routes there. But I can see what's happening now. It's going to be the SEC is this super conference. You're going to have everybody else trying to make super conferences and we're going to get a bad 12-team playoff. I like where it's at now. I like splitting things up. I think college football is moving really fast. But the NCAA right now with no control, we're going to see in another couple of years the NCAA cease to exist. That might be the only good thing that comes all of it. <laughs> Couldn't agree Couldn't, more on that. Yeah, you know, Bird, you and I were talking a little bit earlier concerning this. You know, obviously Texas has the money, right? Texas has a Longhorn network. Uh, again, I don't know if that benefits Texas with Texas A&M already being in the SEC. And you're right, right? Things are going to have to pivot. If Texas and, and, and Oklahoma decide to pay that payout of $70-something million per school – and they jump right into the SEC, that's going to change the landscape of college football, right? So, Bird, Alabama, Auburn, do they go to the east? Like, does Texas and Oklahoma, they fill into the west. I mean, now you have Alabama, uh, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, all those guys in the east. And then it really makes, you know, again, the Oklahoma, Texas, what happens with, like, the Red River shootout? Like, some of those things now, it, it changes the complex, right? I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's kind of wild, man. And you know, I think the next probably three to five years, this whole thing is going to look different, man. And we, nobody has any idea how it's going to look. Um, I think Miami's an attractive brand to for other conferences to try to poach, right? I don't doesn't necessarily mean I think we're going to go anywhere, but I think you know the Big 12 is in scramble mode right now. I mean, they're they're out there. I mean, today putting press releases out for, for cease and desist to ESPN for trying to tell teams to <laughs> not go places. I mean, I'm like looking at this stuff. I was kind of on vacation, so I've been kind of halfway paying attention to it. But I'm like, I've seen the notifications go up. Like, oh my gosh, man. You know, so you got to figure the Big 12 is going to come calling, you know, for probably the Florida States, the Miamis, uh, right. some of the other brands out there. Because, um, I mean, look, Texas and Oklahoma are probably as good as gone right now. I know some local, uh, you know, some politicians were trying to, you know, force a bill to keep them there. But, look, 
money talks on all this stuff, man. And, you know, I know people are like, oh, college football is going to go away. Like, it isn't going anywhere. It's just going to look a lot different because there's way too much money. There's way too much rabid fandom across the board uh, for this thing to go away. But it's definitely going to look different in the next three to five years. Yeah, that's correct. John, what does that mean for Miami? Obviously, if this happens, in, in your brain, if you can think about a possible scenario, how does that impact Miami? I mean, college football obviously is better when we're good, but I, you know, I think the impact of Miami, while they are an attractive brand, and I agree with what Bird said, they're not a huge profit brand. You know, I think it was fifty or sixty million dollars. They were in the top twenty-five of schools as far as profit goes, but you don't necessarily have the same brand or money impact that a Texas or an Oklahoma has. Sure. I think the best thing that's going to happen, the ACC is not, they don't want to get rid of the football brand that is Miami. They don't want to get rid of the football brand of Florida State or Clemson either. So I can see them keeping everything the same. Now, if somehow people start poaching and there was rumors about Clemson and Florida State maybe going to the SEC. Now, if that's to happen, Miami's going to then be in scramble mode. Then it's going to be, hey, who can we latch on to? And maybe the AAC becomes kind of that de facto Big East from a few years ago where they just take the Syracuses and the Miamis of the world. But the only fear is, again, is if, if ACC loses Clemson and Florida State, that's when Miami would be in scramble mode. I think right now they're in the ACC. The ACC is yeah. going nowhere. I had I talked with some people here in Georgia, and I said that, that triangle of North Carolina schools will not allow the ACC to disappear. So I think as long as Miami's good there, they're not going to have to worry about, you know, yeah. kind of losing a spot in college football. Well, plus the ACC is the power conference in basketball too, right. and that's and that's not going to get broken up. So, what happens with someone like Notre Dame? At what point does Notre Dame finally does the NCAA force them to join some type of conference? Well, see, the NCAA has no power over them, so they can't do anything as long as each conference and Notre Dame are allowed to broker their own television deals. Notre Dame doesn't care. You know, there was the talk if they go to a twelve-team playoff that Notre Dame, if they stayed independent, could not get anything higher than the five seed in the playoffs. Notre Dame doesn't care. If they're in the playoffs, they're going to be happy one way or the other. Until somebody excludes them, until the college football playoff in these five or six or eight conferences, whatever we end up having, until they decide to say, hey, Notre Dame, unless you're with us, you can't compete for a championship, Notre Dame's going to keep doing their own thing. I wish the ACC would give them the Stone Cold Steve Austin salute and tell them to get the hell out of town. The problem is Notre Dame brings in money for the conference. They love the other sports that Notre Dame is part of, basketball and baseball as well. And now you get the, you know, five teams a year get a chance to play Notre Dame. It's a win for both sides. Although I hate it that they'll play us, but they won't compete with us and try to win championships. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely kind of baffling to me that they're allowed to kind of trickle into, like you said, basketball and football. But yeah, they're going to stay independent, you know, and I just don't want to see Miami get in a situation where you go into like an AAC conference, because what is that benefiting you? You know, when you talk about the Southeastern Conference, like there's no other Southeastern school than Miami. You're the furthest Southeast school that is available. So when you talk about Clemson, you talk about Florida State. I get it. It's a draw. But at the same time, like, I don't know why Miami wouldn't try to be included in something like that. So what I heard, and this is just, you know, Miami was trying to get in the SEC, I think, back in 1990. The rumor is Florida led the no vote. So the SEC has always had where I think four have to vote no to keep a team out. There's also allegedly, and this is just something I've, I've heard, there's a pact between Florida, Georgia, um, Kentucky, 
and South Carolina that if any of the schools from their home state, so that would be Miami, Florida State, that would be Georgia Tech, that would be Clemson, uh, and then Louisville, if any of them tried to get in the SEC, the four of them would band together and vote no. So that's the rule. <laughs> wow. That's some SEC stuff, man. Um, you know, people have told me that's part of why Miami didn't get in back in 1990 is Florida was like, no, no, no. And the other teams in that pack launched onto that and said, fine, we'll keep the Canes out. Wow. That is bananas if that's true. Wow. You know, again, you're talking about just strong arming somebody and be right. like, you know what? Hey, listen, I got your back. If you got my back type stuff, you know? Wow. That's crazy. So now you're up in, you're up in Georgia, right? Um, do you follow any of the other, like the Georgia tech or the Georgia programs while you're up in that area? Do you, do you follow more college football other than just Miami? Oh, absolutely. Well, doing a morning show, we talk college. football. I mean, we literally could talk college football 365 days a year. So absolutely. <laughs> I, do follow, I do follow Georgia. I do follow Georgia tech, you know, Saturdays, if they play, at the same time as Miami, well, I'm not watching their game. I'm obviously watching the Canes play. But if I can catch them, like if Georgia Tech has the noon kickoff on, you know, on ESPN 13, I'll pay attention. If Georgia and Georgia a lot of times has the CBS game, I'll watch them. And it's only because I have to cover them. I've got a chance to meet Mark Rick. I've met Kirby Smart. Know Jeff Collins really well here for Georgia Tech. But they all know it's funny. Even like their PR guys are like, oh, he's he he's a Miami guy. Don't mind the tattoos. So even when I talk <laughs> to the coaches and stuff, they all know where my allegiance lies. <laughs> so speaking of some of that, I, you know, our conference mate there in Georgia Tech, you know, uh, I think Jeff Collins has a lot of flash behind that program. And right. I, I see them as a program that's pointed in the right direction. But I mean, obviously you're leaving, you know, the Paul Johnson triple option, you know, and you, you're, you're probably at the point now where it's, it's time to see results for mm -hmm. Jeff Collins. I mean, do you think that he's got that, that program pointed in the right direction? And I mean, are we going to start seeing them maybe, you know, come out of nowhere this year and, and, have something to do. You know, as far as coming out of nowhere, I don't think they're quite there yet. You got to remember when Paul Johnson was the head coach, their offensive line averaged like 265 pounds because they ran that cut blocking triple option. Jeff Collins got there and said, we got to make a team look like an ACC team. This year they're measuring it like six, four and a half, 320 pounds on the O line. So yeah. he's at least done that. He got a four star quarterback who he took from Florida State last year and Jeff Sims. And Yep. Sims had his problems early and started to play better as the year progressed. But remember, he was a true freshman with no spring practice and COVID protocols all year. So you kind of take sure. that with a grain of salt. It's got a kid named Jameer Gibbs at tailback, who is Oof. honestly probably the best tailback in the ACC this year. Uh, apologies to Cam Harris and those guys, but Jameer Gibbs <laughs> is a monster. I think he's yeah. getting there. But he needs another recruiting class or two. And then if you look at Georgia Tech's schedule this year, I was trying to find six Brilliant. wins, and you're really going to have to win a game or two that you're not supposed to. Love Coach Collins. I think he's got one more year to really build it up, but he's got that program going in the right way. But six yeah. is probably their ceiling. Yeah. That's crazy because I was going to ask you, um, how do you look at Miami's schedule? Take away Alabama. I think the season and the way that the schedule set up, literally, you should be able to run the table. People want to talk about that October 16th, October 17th game against North Carolina. Right. Sam Howell has nobody to throw to. He has no running backs. Like, why does that game seem to be like this ultra, like, heavy effect on Miami fans? Only because they beat us two years in a row? I get it. But I don't see Carolina giving us any type of trouble this year. What is your, what's your state on how Miami's schedule plays out after Alabama? 
Well, the, obviously the game's right after Bama, App State, Michigan State. A little bit scary because Alabama's had, you know, the, the propensity to beat somebody so bad in week one, they're back <laughs> for like three more weeks. Florida State's been bad for four years since they played Alabama. So, <laughs> I think Francois just tore his other knee. <laughs> right, that's, that's the scary part of the early part of the season, you know, just coming off Bama and hoping win or lose that you can right. back the next two weeks and play well. But I think at worst they go three and one out of conference. And I'm with you. The ACC – you won games last year, you know, playing with 55 scholarship guys because of COVID and with guys banged up in short weeks and everything. I think you've gotten past that point of losing to bad teams. Now it's just a matter of taking care of teams that are equal to you or better than you. And really the only two teams that are even close talent-wise to you all year long are Alabama and North Carolina. But if you look at the uh, – who is it that does the, the blue chip ratio – he put together North Carolina only has like a 29% blue chip ratio. This is a lot of Mac Brown coaching them up. I think Miami can go up there and win the game. I think people are scared Poe really more than anything. Cause they steamrolled us a year ago. Yeah. Still hurt. I mean, yeah. I just don't think that Miami really had anything to play for. Uh, and to me, like it was wrong, right? Cause you potentially could have been playing in the orange bowl. Right. Like you let Carolina come into our house into rock. They literally whooped your ass. And then they turn around and came back a couple weeks later and play Texas A&M in the Orange Bowl. Like, like all you have to do is win that game, and right. you're sitting in the Orange Bowl. You know what I mean? Um, I think Miami actually is, is on a trajectory to actually shock people this year. Again, I literally have Miami going undefeated this year. Does nice. it happen? Not sure. But I think with the, the upperclassmen, with the leadership, with you know, finally a, a, a quarterback who really will put the team on his back, whether it's running the ball, whether it's throwing the ball, um, again, with veterans on the defensive side of the ball, I, I'm looking for really big things this year. There's a couple guys that stand out to me. Uh, one is Gil Fairson. I think Gil is going to be a phenomenal striker. I just, I think he's all over the ball. I think it's, it's really his time to shine, you know, moving Keontre Smith to weak side linebacker, I think is beneficial. And, and again, the safety with Bubba Bolden back there. Um, and how do we sprinkle in some of these freshmen? Does James Williams, get the, does he get a lot of burn back there at safety? Um, obviously we lose somebody in Avante Williams who probably could have contributed this year. But again, you have Amari Carters, you have the Gervin Halls, you have the Bubba Boldens. I mean, I mean, you have a lot of people that can make plays on defense. Now there's nowhere for Manny to run anymore. You can't blame it on Blake Baker. This is your defense. You're calling it. You're responsible. One question I had concerning coaches, what do you think about the change that they made? Obviously bringing in T-Rob, I think was beneficial, but switching DVD to bring him in as a cornerback coach and then taking Mike Rumpf and moving him more to recruiting. DVD, so far it seems like it's paying off if you're following recruiting. He's, he's at least in the mix and maybe going to close on some defensive backs. I don't know his coaching acumen. He obviously has been, you know, what is it, an assistant or a grad assistant, whatever it was, in the recruiting side. And now he's going to come in and have to coach defensive, you know, be part of the defensive backfield coaching staff. I love T-Rob. Obviously his track record has shown that not only can he recruit, he puts guys into the league. You know, as far as the position coaches, I think a lot of our fans, truthfully, we overblow what the position coaches are. A DB has a bad game, and immediately we're jumping on Mike Rump. How do you know that Mike Rump called a bad play when a defensive back can't turn around and run with a guy? Correct. So, you know, coordinators are one thing. Lashley, Blake Baker, when he was there, you know, obviously Dan Enos when he was there, they're easy. You can see a play call and say this isn't going to work, but I think we do overblow the position coaches. I do like the fact that Manny went out and found guys maybe for the deficiencies of recruiting maybe more than anything, and Mike Rump's a cane lifer, so – 
let them yeah. stick around. Let them have a job. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, Bird, real quick, take us to break. John, we'll come back one more with a final segment here on the Kang Gang Radio Show. Bird, take us to break, and we'll be back. All right, we are listening to the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio, channel 145. We're hanging out with John Michaels, and I'll be back in just a moment. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing, you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look. Back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good thing nobody can see crying tonight. I'm Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What are you telling? You tell them, you know? You know, that, that all they can do is learn. 
and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, con terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 294.9, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Throwing up the views, man. It's uh, <laughs> on our first hour here on the Kang Gang Radio Show. Again, kicking it with John Michaels, Dirty Bird over there, and Corsa Lucy. Bird, I know you're on vacation. I know you've missed a lot, but uh, good to have you back. Uh, how was the How was the trip? It's good to be back, man. We went over to uh, to Marco Island with some friends and uh, had a nice little condo there, and uh, spent the days on the sandbar at the beach. Had a had a drink in hand pretty much the whole time, and. Uh, Ate pretty well, you know. I'm still trying to diet though, so that was a that was a challenge <laughs> on, this, on this on this keto thing, man. But uh, you know, hey, we uh, we did good, and made it through, man. So it was a good time. A keto diet with a slab of ribs is that good together or no? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, dude, I wish, I wish. I got the app, so every time I think about something, I gotta I gotta sit there and punch it in and see, you know, see how many net carbs it is, man. You know, I can't. You can eat, I can't. I'll tell you, keto works. A year ago when COVID hit, you know, I was 270 pounds and I said, I can't do it. My, my knees hurt. My back hurt. Yeah. Randy McMichael is a really good friend of mine. I uh, used to do radio with him. He lives right down the road. He did keto and lost, I don't know, 90 to 100 pounds. So he gave me the same thing, gave me an app and said, try it. I went from 270 to 207. So Bro, probably, a- probably about 215 now, which is good. That's kind of my playing weight where I want to be. But keep with it. You keep strict on keto. Mixing yeah. a little workout, you're definitely going to lose whatever you want to lose. You, you, you're right where I am now and where I want to be, man. So that's <laughs> that, that's great to hear those numbers, man. I appreciate that. Man, I'm, I'm rocking at 195, baby. Come oh, on. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the problem is I've always had a really high metabolism, so I really can't gain weight. My biggest issue is I drink probably, and this sounds bad, maybe 10 to 12, like, Pepsis a day. Like, I have Ooh, no Oh, bro. Like, I don't eat really bad. I eat, I eat, I try to eat kind of healthy and I eat, try to, uh, I, I eat pretty good. But man, those sodas, like, it's like you can't just eat stuff and not have like, like a cold Pepsi, man. It's just, right. there's something about it, you know? Well, I, love, I, I love the fact that you say Pepsi. I live in the land of Coke. Oh, bro. And I, all I drink is Pepsi. But any restaurant you go into in Atlanta, you're going to get Coke. There's no other choice. I was the same way. That's part of how I gained so much weight. I graduated college at 145 pounds. Six foot, 145, you know, played basketball, played baseball. And I came here and got a job. And all of a sudden, drinking those two liters of Pepsi really caught up with me. I gained 70 pounds the first six months I lived in. Wow. I went from 145 to about 215. I've never since been under 200 pounds, but the sodas did me in. So now, if I can endorse anything, yeah, go ahead. Dr. Pepper. So I love, listen, I am a Dr. Pepper like just guru, right? So here's, here's just a funny story. So obviously Grayson, you know, he's almost four, but whenever it's hurt, I'm like, you know, we have to go to the doctor. 
And he's like, all right. I'm like, we're going to go see Dr. Pepper. So whenever he gets hurt, he goes, dad, we have to go see Dr. Pepper. Right? <laughs> it's just one of those fun things that I started doing with, with my youngest son. And like, so it's just so cute to hear him say Dr. Pepper. Right, I'm like, yeah. who, who we got to go see? We got to go see Dr. Pepper. I'm like, all right, let's go. Kids yeah, are the greatest, man. Oh, they're great. So, so John, come, the, the the Alabama game up in Atlanta here in 39 days, right? It's, it's getting ready. Like, obviously, I didn't tweet it out today. I posted it on my story on Instagram and stuff. I've been doing a countdown, right? On 38 days. Let me rephrase that. It's 38 days. It's 38. Um, so yesterday I posted one. Um, 39 days, I, I picked Brian Monroe. People don't realize Brian Monroe started with number 39 before we went to 15. Today I did Carl Walker. Like, nice. I'm just we're getting this, we're getting this countdown going. What's it going to be like, or what do you think the city of Atlanta? Obviously, you already have – so you have three football games going that weekend, right? So you have the Miami-Alabama game. Um, then later on at night, you have the Georgia Tech-Northern Illinois game. And then Monday, you have Louisville Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. What is the town – what is the city of Atlanta? Like, do you think it's going to be jumping that weekend, or what, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, it's going to be insane. First and foremost, you got to remember, we didn't get live college football a year ago, or the little bit that you did, it was, you know, a couple of thousand people and that's it. They didn't have these games a year ago. Alabama, first and foremost, is going to be here, 60,000 plus. But the city of Atlanta loves college football. Here's the tough thing. Labor Day weekend, it's Comic-Con weekend. So there's oh, wow. going to be a lot of people in town dressed as like Princess Leia and whatever else. It's oh also Black God. Gay Pride weekend is that same weekend. I'm not kidding you. So think about the mix that comes to Atlanta Labor Day weekend. You have Black Gay Pride weekend, you have Comic-Con, and you have all the people that love college football. <laughs> Parking will be at a premium. All the SEC fans. You guys, oh. you guys are from Miami, so you understand. Keep your head on the swivel because crime is terrible right now. People are getting robbed left and right. And if somebody says, hey, I'll watch your car, yeah, five bucks because they're typically a homeless person. So the city's going to be insane. We're going to have so much fun. I heard there's a big party for Miami at the Battery that Friday, the night before, which if you haven't been to the Battery, which is where the Braves yeah. is, it's Correct. awesome. Yeah. It's going to be insane. I cannot wait. Yeah, we're definitely working on some things, too. Um, obviously, you know, there's a bunch of people that we tailgate with. Um, we had Melvin Bratton on the show a couple weeks ago, and we were kind of chopping it up with him, thinking about what we can do because obviously he's up at the ATL. Um, I'm super excited about it. I can't wait. I'm flying up. Fr- I have a 5 a.m. like flight Friday morning. You know, I'll, I'll you know catch the Marta, hit the hotel, and then you know again. I've I've been to Georgia. I've been up for Georgia Tech numerous times. Been to right. Atlanta numerous times. Never been to the College Football Hall of Fame. Really so cool. I, I think first and foremost, I want to catch. I listen. I've done Stone Mountain. I've walked up it. I've walked down it. I took the tram. I took the trolley. Like. There's only so many times you can walk Stone Mountain, right? Mm-hmm. There's only so many times I can watch Stomp the Yard and see the guys up there on, on, on the hill. So I obviously want to try to do something different. So probably try to catch the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, and then literally Friday night, whatever happens, happens. Let's get rowdy. So Miami um, put out for a tailgate. Um, they're doing a tailgate between, I think it's 12 to 3 o'clock, mm-hmm. um, right there on at the stadium. They have like a little, little section and then, um, but obviously, you can get if you get a tailgate ticket, you actually get parking right inside the stadium okay. for like sixty bucks. Oh, I'm not planning on driving a car there, but yeah, I mean, I heard people like I got people texting me left and right. Where's parking at? Where can we get parking? Parking lots are full. Like, I, I don't know what to tell them. You know, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Parking. I mean, honestly, parking around Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a pain in the rear end anyway. Part of it, they're they're still sort of constructing everything around there to make it look the way that they want. They have this place called the Home Depot Backyard. That's where the Miami is. That's where Miami is. Yeah, and that's right next to the stadium. Great place. But literally all up and down that street, which is Northside Drive, you can park. You'll see lots. 
There's also stuff over by the Georgia Aquarium, which is maybe about a 10 minute walk from the stadium. You can park over there. Really good restaurants, Stacks and Max's Pizza are all right in that same area, right next to the College Football Hall of Fame. But it's literally get down. Think about parking at the old Orange Bowl. Get down, find a lot, go in there and find <laughs> Miami fans. No blocky. No blocky. $20, no blocky. <laughs> you don't have to worry about no blocky here. Because the <laughs> are going to be in there, you're, you're getting out when you get out. Wow. So, 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 John, is the Home Depot backyard on what's kind of sacred ground to me on the old Georgia Dome land? It is. It's right where Harry Douglas tripped in 2012. It's right where Georgia <laughs> forgot to spike the ball in 2012. Oh, man, I had so many good memories. So, so question, though. Here's a question for you. Will Chick-fil-A be open on game day? <laughs> Absolutely. It's oh, it's Saturday, baby. Let's go. Sunday, Sunday. No, here's a great thing, Cole. There's literally a Chick-fil-A attached to the College Football Hall of Fame. So you can go to Chick-fil-A and then go right into the College Football Hall of Fame. Oh, bro, I love oh, it. Man. So have you, inside the stadium, obviously you've been in the stadium, you know, in the Mercedes. So where are you going to the game? And if you are, where are you sitting at? Did, did you really I just, I just asked. Just asked about going to the <laughs> Does a one like a duck swim in circles? That's right. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know where I'm sitting yet. I've got. I'm working on a bunch of different tickets. Uh, the radio station I work at, we actually broadcast the opening game, so I'm trying to angle myself into some of those. I've already purchased two from a buddy of mine who has a PSL. Anywhere you sit in that stadium is fantastic. So. Think about, you know, if you've ever been to Dallas, Dallas is one of the most state-of-the-art places in yeah. the country. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is better. Okay. Better walkways, better food. One of the great things Mr. Blank, the owner of the Falcons, did, he said, look, I'm going to open up the facility. You literally can get like a $2 hamburger in there. They have refillable soda machines. So you get a cup and you just go back and refill your wow. soda every time that you want to. It's awesome. There's also really good restaurants in there. Molly B's is good. Sometimes they'll have like the little portable stands with pulled pork, and macaroni and cheese sandwich. Love it. Love Not it. Not on your keto diet. But Not on my keto. I was just about shaking my head. They've got full bars in there. I mean, this stadium is state of the art. It's not meant for college football. This yeah. is something that's meant for hoity-toity. But there's so many great viewing angles at, at Mercedes-Benz. It'll be loud. And then the halo board is fantastic. So Miami fans, get there. I mean, wherever you sit, you're going to have a good time. If you can get down low, it's obviously better. Well, we're in section 113, which right. is about 10-yard line. Starting in row seven, we're on row seven and eight. So I was able to uh, secure some pretty good tickets. Obviously, I always like to try to get in row one. Obviously, right. there was nothing really happening in row one. Um, Truthfully, so. you're better there not being in row one. There's actually underneath like uh, 20 to 20, there's a bar underneath. So if you're sitting in row one at Mercedes-Benz, you're looking right into the play. It's almost field level. Correct. You can't even see over the players. So it's better. Okay. You're back seven or eight rows. You're pretty good. Yeah, we're seven and eight. We're right on the aisle. We have eight seats on seven and then eight eight seats in uh, in row eight. Um, and, and, again, as people start to dwindle, if it's a blowout, you know, again, I'll work my way down if I have to, you know. But, <laughs> no doubt. you know, listen, we uh, we just want to go in there. And have, like, again, this is what it's about, right? It's about making memories, right. you know, supporting the team that we all, you know, love and repping that orange and green. And, and again, I've come to the conclusion: if they win, they win; if they lose, they lose. It's not going to change who I am. So, so you don't leave, get mad. You don't get mad if they lose because I want no. the car steaming. No, you know why? Because I've seen the very, very good at the University of Miami, and I've seen the very, very bad at Miami. So, I've come to understand: my job as a fan is just to support and cheer and root. I can get frustrated, but why do I? Why can I get angry? Like at the end of the day, like it doesn't change anything. So that's going into my next topic. How in the world did you come up with your top five hurricane fans? <laughs> <laughs> Which you happen to be on that list. 
you know what? I wanted to write something fun. Uh, oh, it was great. Cam's always giving me just have fun. A lot of people, you know, I've met via social media. Yeah. Like all of us have met a lot of times via Twitter, and that's the only reason yeah. anybody up there, you know, down in Miami might know that I'm a big Miami fan. I, I just kind of was going through thinking about the people I've had the most interaction with. Now, I didn't want to do just guys I knew, so I was like, I don't want to do Marsh, and I don't want to do Brad, because these are, you know, they're younger guys. I didn't want to do Mondo, even though Mondo's chilled out at my house here in Atlanta and watched games, and he's my dude. I wanted to do people that everybody knew. WM, or was it WM Garbage? I don't even know his real Wait name. Wait a minute. His name is JD. <laughs> JD the boss, man. But he's on social media, and everybody interacts with him. Uh, MIA, she got all upset that I put her on there. She interacts with everybody. Cole interacts with everybody. Everybody in the world knows Cutler Ridge Laz if you've yeah. ever been to a Miami game. So that was kind of it. I just really was going through trying to figure out the people that have the most interaction, you know, the people that everybody talks to and everybody seems to get along with. And then I, you know, just didn't want to put on guys that just I knew. So I loved it. And I'm glad that everybody took it and took the cloud. Bro, it, it literally. So we got number four who's always chiming in on our comments. He, <laughs> Dolphin Derrick's on. He's always, though, he's a big supporter of the Kang Gang Radio. <laughs> You're not number two, homie. You're number four. So find four fingers, not two fingers. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was a great article and it was it was a great thing because obviously it got people talking. And again, if you can do a Mount Rushmore of Hurricane fans, you can again just like you do a Mount Rushmore of Hurricane players. They're all going right. to vary based on people's opinion, right? One thing about myself is, and, and, and even with Color Ridge Lads, like, look, I don't waver. My loyalty is not going to change, win or lose. I'm going to be there until the clock strikes. Triple zeros all the way across the board. I don't leave early. I'm one of the first ones to arrive. Probably one of the last ones to leave. But you know what? I've been doing that since 1991. That's one thing about me. And, and I'll tell you why. People are like, well, why do you always stay so long? And I'll tell you why. For those of you who may be watching or listening, I'll tell you the reason why I stay so long after the games. Because back in the Orange Bowl, we used to park over the bridge, you know, down by the Miami River. Right. Number one, it took you forever to walk from there all the way over to your car. And then you got to sit in traffic. So one day I'm like, hey, where did the players come out? They said, right. oh, over here by the tunnel. Okay, so we walked over there, and literally, we hung out. We got to meet people. We got to take pictures, got autographs. Next thing I know, two hours had gone by. We left. There was no traffic. Right. So the next week, I'm like, we're going to do the same thing this right. week. So <laughs> it's literally just been a tradition ever since then because why, why do I want to sit in my car for an hour and a half when I can just be hanging out, chilling, taking some photos with future NFL Hall of Famers, People that are still friends with me to this day, right. like I built those relationships back then. So anybody listening, that's why I stay as late as I do because number one, I don't want to sit in traffic. <laughs> number two, it's just great building chemistry and building relationships with with current players. And again, right. you'll see a lot of former alumni. You'll see coaches. I mean, listen, man, you'll see from when Vinny Testaverde's son was playing, you would see Vinny Testaverde come through the games. Like, you know, how cool is that? You know what I mean? Like, again, Heisman Trophy winner. You know, played back in the early 80s, but he's still coming back to support the school. And, right. and to me, that's that's important to me. Well, also, you can fire up the tailgate again, too, and sit around with your boys and talk about the game, man. So, right. No. You know? And no. Until, until, until Miami PD. Until Miami PD comes and says, time to go. Next thing right. you know, you, you got burgers on the grill and hot dogs. Like, dude, they're still cooking, you know? Yeah, man, that's cool. <laughs> oh, so, John, I'm going to put you on a spot here. You All know, right. we got we got about three minutes left in, the sh in, in this in the show. What is your prediction for the Miami Alabama game and why? Man, I, you know, and, and I'm going to get this on my own station because I've got four guys I work with who are like, you know, you guys are getting blown out. 
I think Miami keeps it close. I'm going to keep it real. They're not going to win the game. It's okay. still Alabama. It's still Nick Saban. As much as I want to be a homer, I can't. But I do think we're into the fourth quarter and we're playing them close and lose something along the lines of 31-23, maybe 31-24. I think Alabama's going to score. I think we're going to have a hard time with their defensive front and their linebackers. So I do think we'll lose somewhere in that range. So you brought up a key point. Their defensive line and their linebackers. Everybody has Zion Nelson, and this is my last point here. Everybody has Zion Nelson projected top five, top ten right now, you know, again, based on his body of work so far. Does that change if he gets completely demolished against Alabama? Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about what people really know Zion Nelson for. It's the Florida game where we gave up ten sacks. He was a 250-pound kid that had no business being out there, especially in, in the opener against a good Florida team. Right. He improved, obviously, greatly last year and put himself into, if you look at the trajectory of where he's going, to being better. You go out and put on film that Alabama, a team that's probably going to put four or five more defensive linemen into the draft, beats the rear end off of you. The scouts don't miss those kind of tapes. So he needs to right. go put something good on tape. And it's really not about the physical. Zion's obviously going to have the physical down pat. When you play in Alabama, it's the mental. Knowing who your assignment is and where that pressure is coming from, That'll be a big thing for Miami's offensive line when they play against Bama. Yeah, no doubt. And, and again, to me, again, I have Miami winning. But if we lose but it's competitive, I'm completely happy with that game. And, again, going back to what you mentioned earlier in the show, how do you respond? How do you rebound if you do lose to Alabama? You know, you got App State. Again, this is where I think the senior leadership, the upperclassmen come into play and say, you know what, okay, look, we need to put that behind us. That has no effect on our schedule. We have the ACC to win. Let's go ahead and handle business. Let's carry this out. Let's see how Manny addresses and what kind of leadership Manny now displays after that Alabama game. And then I'll be uh, kind of, you know, up here with Manny. Yeah, I think I think you'll take care of App State. I think you'll beat a Michigan State. Central Connecticut is where you get to empty the bench and play the walk-ons in the band. Yeah. But I think they do respond. I think the best thing that happens for them is you do play a good team the next week. Appalachian State, you put on that film, win yeah. or lose against Alabama, you put on the film and go, that's a well-coached football team that can play. So Correct. I think you'll have a chance to bounce back. And, you know, it, it should be a really, really good year for Miami. Underachieving this year, and I've seen people posting four losses. So we lose three or four games. It's a fail. Yeah. You should lose no more than two, and that's being a grand. That might include the ACC championship game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, I appreciate you joining us today on the Kang Gang Radio Show. Uh, if you don't mind, stick around real quick. We're getting ready to get off air. Stick around for a little bit. We'll chop it up afterwards. Thank you guys for listening so far for the first hour of the Kang Gang Radio Show. We've got another hour coming up shortly. Uh, take care. See you soon. Catch you on the rebound. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the Playmaker Every. What's up? This is Gronk, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio Sirius XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up two nigga Manuel Apolla too, I'd, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking. I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It does. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tonga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on two nigga Manuel Apolla. Tonga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua nigga Manuel Apolla. Tua. I can't do it. I'm done. Tonga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuel Apolla. Tonga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuel Apolla. Tonga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuel Apolla. Tonga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva potra, la caballota, la reina y mi cuello. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the second hour of the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Uh, just finished up a great hour. Uh, the preceding hour was great with John Michaels from State of the U. Um, he has a podcast and, you know, covering the Atlanta Falcons and, man, just doing big things up there. And obviously a great Miami Hurricane fan as well. So that was a good hour. What do you think, Bert? That oh, was great, man. Great. Love, love kicking it with John, man. Can't wait to see him up in Atlanta for the, uh, for the Bama game. You know, our show is unique, right? Because obviously we don't talk a lot about – we do talk about some recruiting. We do talk some other stuff. Obviously, we love the University of Miami as far as everything University of Miami. But our, our main focus is obviously University of Miami football, right? So uh, special guest tonight joining us here on the Kang Gang Radio Show is none other than number 15, uh, former wide receiver, former punter, former, you know, placeholder, Brian Monroe. Yo, B, what's good, man? What's good, fellas? How y'all doing? We're good, good man. tonight. We're good. Hey, so so real quick, I, I did throw a shout out in there as far as former wide receiver. So I see you said that first instead of punter or kicker. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 B, first of all, thank you so much for, for joining the show. And uh, you know, obviously I've known you for quite a while now, and it's always good to see you guys, especially you know, you know, you and Beeson. You guys are always kind of like, you know, you guys are like this every time I see you guys, and uh it's always good to catch up with you know former alumni. Um you know, obviously you're doing big things. You're doing, you know, you kind of with all Canes radio, you're doing that stuff. But, you know, your time at Miami, obviously you're from, uh, you're from Palm Beach Gardens. You're from, Palm Beach Gardens. Yeah. yeah, I grew up there. Uh-huh. Is, that, is, that, is that the Gators? Is that the Palm Beach Gardens or Gators? Is that what they yeah. were? That's, uh, the, that's, the, that's the only time I can say I'm a Gator. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go back to like reunions, you rock that orange and green or you kind of wear that Gator blue. Talk to me about that. Real quick. Honestly, don't go to the reunions. Oh, no. Like, I don't think, you know, with social media, it's like, why am I gonna go to a tenure? Like I see everybody doing everything gotcha. in their life. You're I know who's got kids, I know who's married, I know who came out. Like there's there's nothing like back in the day when there was no social media where people would be like, all right, who became fine, who got fat, who's coming <laughs> out? Like, I was like, you know, we don't get the mysteries, Facebook. Now it's everything. It's WhatsApp, it's you know, yeah, TikTok and everything else is in this world, you know. I can't you keep know, up with it. I'm not I even might, on that. I might go to my 20. I might go wow. to my 20. So you're talking about 20, man. I'm getting ready to push my 30. So I'm kind of showing my age there. I'm getting ready to uh, – I graduated in 92. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah. Me. Yeah, we got we got that 30. So, you know, your time in Miami, obviously leaving, you know, Palm Beach Gardens, going to Miami uh, from 03 to 06, uh, you know, 
that was one of those years where, again, we just came off, you know, the loss of Ohio State. You know, you're coming in in 03. Um, you know, Larry's, you know, Larry's still there, you know, the transition. Um, what made you choose Miami? Like, what was it about Miami that intrigued you to want to go to University of Miami? So, you know, I broke down my final five. You know, I had Florida, Florida State, uh, obviously in-state schools. Then I had Ohio State, which was the uh, first school to really give me a major offer. And then Boston College, because my mom loved the academics in Boston College. But as far as Ohio State and Boston College, it's too, too cold for me. You know, I was I'm from Bahamas, moved to Palm Beach. I like sun, and that's my thing, you know. So uh, final three came down to Florida, Florida State, Miami. A kid that I was going against, Eric Wilbur, he committed early to Florida. So that took out of the running because you ain't going to commit with two punters in one class. It makes no sense. So Florida State, Miami. I went to Florida State, and I'm just, like, looking around. I'm like, man, can I spend four years of my life here just going to, like, <laughs> The bar scene every single time. I'm like, I, I don't know about that. So went down to Miami and Miami's me. It's more like me. Like it's it's very cultured. It's there's so many things to do. The sun, the beach. Um, we got lovely people to look at, you know. And when I came down here, it just felt more like what I like as far gotcha. as a person. And then when I got around, obviously the academic parts, my mom loved it, private school, private school small classes. And then obviously our team is, you know, rich in, you know, history, just coming off um, uh, two back-to-back national champions. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. And uh, it just felt like, it just felt like home to me when I came down here, you know, when I, one of my official visit and you just see, you know, South Beach, you see Coconut Grove, you know, it was just, it was me. And then I could see myself living here um, after college. Gotcha. You know, it's funny you mentioned your OV, right? So official visits to Miami, you know, it's special, man. I mean, whether or not you go to the Rusty Pelican or you go to Joe Stokrab or you go to the wharf, you know, you go up to Tallahassee, you're going to Guthrie's, you know, you're going to get a little like a chicken box, you know what I mean? It, it's just completely different. You might roll up to Zaxby's or something like that. So it's not getting <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, Olive Garden. I think the biggest thing for them is you go to Bowden's house. You know, oh, like, man. You know, that's that's like, crazy. The big the big trip. And then you come down here, and it's like Friday night. All right, let me sell old Am if I can remember it. Friday night, we went to Monty's. Okay. And then, then you go meet up with your, your host. Saturday, you go to Rusty Pelican, and you meet up with your host. And then Sunday afternoon, you go brunch to um, Smith & Walls uh, on South Beach. Yep. And it's like, yo, how, how can you beat this? Like, it, a, a Rusty Pelican, it was all you can eat, fried shrimp, lobster, and steak. And so, so you mentioned, so, okay, so you're talking about your host. W- was it Freddie? Like, is that who you can, who no. hosted you? Who was your host at that time? So my host uh, was Buck Ortega. Oh, boy, wow. one five. Another one five, right? Like, Another that's a thing. <laughs> so there's funny. A, go ahead. No, as I say, it's funny you mentioned those restaurants, man. I think we we still use that same model on every OV, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really years later. yeah, that's you right. Can't, you can't beat it because if you think about it, Fridays at uh, Monty's is a crazy happy hour crowd with the uh-huh. uh, the young kids. So now you got these 18-year-old, 17-year-old kids looking around like, damn, yeah, look at all these girls and all these people having a good time. And you're going there with your parents and you're having a good meal. And then when you go to Rusty Pelican, the view is is amazing when you're sitting Sorry. outside and see city of Miami. Nobody can, nobody can offer that in, a, in an official visit. And then <laughs> Smith and Wall speaks for itself. You just got 
yachts and boats coming and jet skis coming by you. And then you walk on the pier. They show you all the girls in the bathing suits and you're just by the ocean. It's it's just Miami. That's what we have to offer on an official visit, which I don't think, you know, when Willie Williams had the little um, blog got us in trouble. I don't think it was it was messed up what he did, because that's what we have to offer when you come to school here. Correct. You get you get to go on boats, which isn't illegal. You get to go to these nice restaurants like that's what we have to offer. We can give lobster. Wisconsin can give cheese. That's yeah. the difference. Like, I don't <laughs> You know, it's funny as you just mentioned Willie Williams. So I I thought Willie Williams was going to be a freak. You know, again, I'm friends with T. Good, you know, those cats over there, you know, like, and I haven't seen Willie since probably 2004. And then I saw you and Beeson at a spring game, and yeah. I happened to see Willie Williams down yeah. there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So he walked by me, and I'm like, yo, 17, what's good, right? And he looked at me like, how do you know I wore, like, first of all, like, I know who you are, yeah. right? It's, right? We know you know. Yeah. So, and again, <laughs> I, I give that respect, right? To me, it's it's that number. You wore that number, that's what I'm calling you, right? So I'm like, yo, 17. And I actually had a photo with him and T-Good um, in the tunnel at the OB, and they're literally just mouthful of gold. Oh, up, and he's like, oh, my word. So he's like, can you send that to me? I'm like, yeah, no doubt, man. So I shot him the photo, and I ended up getting another photo with him, you know, almost, here it is, you know, 18, you know, 17 years later, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. He, he was he was on that sticky. Let me tell you that though, because uh, it was definitely right. Like standing next to him, he's <laughs> feeling good, man. I don't, I don't I don't really do it, but you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. There's a lot, no. of, a lot of medical, um, you know, benefits from a little bit of that sticky. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. So, so B, you mentioned you're from the Bahamas. What part of the Bahamas you're from? Freeport. Okay. So I just had a great opportunity to go down to the Exumas a couple okay. weeks ago. My wife and I, we finally got a much needed away trip, flew into Georgetown, went to Sandals right there, went swimming with the pigs and, you, you know, the, the little, I, and I hate iguanas. Like, bro, like when I tell you, like, I hate lizards, like, like even like the baby, I don't like them. But, that's, the chicken, that's the chicken of the tree, man. Bro, I'm just telling you. So Come we went on. down. They have this place called the Bahamian Rock Iguanas. Like, okay. yeah. I, like, bro, they had to be like this big. So we're backing the boat up to, to this little island. And as we're backing the boat up, they're playing Jurassic Park. And these rock iguanas are climbing over the rocks, coming down into the water. <laughs> so is that something you experienced growing up? Is that something like a Bahamian type thing or not so much at, at, at in Freeport? Not so much. Not at Freeport. Like, you know, I moved when I was four. So okay. my, more, my more memories of like, you know. Conk salads. Conk, <laughs> love, love, listen, conk salad, conk Crack conk, conk fritters, stew conk, conk uh, everything. Uh, me and conk, we good. What's Love the thing? Me. What's the thing in the conk? <laughs> oh, with the one we give to the tourists? Yes. <laughs> yeah, what is it? The pistol or whatever. It's the called? pistol. That's it. <laughs> and we, we 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 say it's the uh, male part of the conk for the uh, for the tourists, and say it's an aphrodisiac. So they're all the dudes. Are going, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I never, I never took it. I wasn't, I wasn't about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, great, my, man. My fondest memory is more like my uh, aunt had a restaurant on the beach, okay. so I used to, I used to put a, a machete in my mouth, climb up the coconut tree, chop the coconuts down, get back down, crack them open, sugar cane on the beach, stuff like wait that. A, wait, wait, at four years old, you did that? Yeah. Dang, wow. man. I mean, listen, we, we drink at twelve in Bahamas, so a machete. Oh man. Were you punching coconuts? Let me ask you that. <laughs> no, 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 no sports in the Bahamas, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, you get to Miami. You know, obviously, you're coming in. 
Miami's on that. They're that powerhouse. I mean, obviously, you can even look back at 2000. We got screwed against, you know, the, the BCS kind of screwed us out of the National Championship game. And, again, we play Oklahoma in, the, in you know, in Hard Rock. Well, Joe Robbie at the time. We, we wipe Oklahoma. We win 2000. We win 01. We win 02. So you're coming in through a juggernaut, right? What is your perception or, or what are you thinking, like, your next four years is going to be like? Oh, I think it's going to be just like – a couple before it, I think we're going to, we're going to compete for national championships. Uh, you know, you look at the team that we had as a, my freshman year, yeah. um, which the record just got tied this NFL um, past season with six first round picks, even though we got robbed because leather, which had never been a first round pick. Correct. But um, we were super talented. You know, the only thing that we had different is, you know, we're breaking in a new quarterback and yeah. we all know when you're breaking a new quarterback, everything can change. And, you know, I think with Brock, I don't I don't think we utilize Brock the right way, because if you look at what happened, my second game ever and first game, Florida, ever, Florida game, we were down a whole you know ton. Put him in a shotgun. Let him ride. <laughs> but Brock in a shotgun, what he did in high school. And it was kind of like, yo, just let him sit back there. And he just started picking every apart. Let me tell you, man, and Kevin Beard, like, and I love, I love KB. Yeah, KB's like, man. what a phenomenal game, you know, that breakout. There's a couple plays, like, and I watch those games, like, play back from time to time. You know, now with instant replay, one of those probably would have been called down on, like, the wall and things like that. But, like, that atmosphere, and again, obviously you go with the opening kickoff, right? You know, Ford just takes it to the house. You know, and then, again, they come down, they score. But then they kick back off and go to ST, and 26 almost takes that back to the house. And then literally after that, like, we got a field goal. And then it was just like, what happened to our defense? Like, and, and you're talking about studs. You're talking DJ. You're talking Vilmo. You're talking Vince. You know, you're talking about Mo and, and Sean and, like, what happened? Like, honestly. But you're right. You know what I mean? So I look at that, you know, that 03 to 07, uh, the 03 to 06 years as kind of that pendulum that kind of swung in the down in the downward spot. And I don't know if it was maybe because of Coker. I don't know if it was, you know, again, the whole situation with the Peach Bowl and then you get rid of Kehoe, you get rid of Solinger. Like, there's just a lot of changes that were going on. I'm not sure if it was more of the players just not listening to the coaches or the coaches really not taking like advantage of the athletes that they had at the University of Miami. Well, you look at it and say this, you know, when you look at the teams from the 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, you know, you had different type of players there, right? If you look at the guys in the locker room, not only were they talented Hall of Famers, some of the best ever stepped on the field, they were leaders. They coached themselves. They coached the team. You didn't need a coach to tell you what to do. Oh, I'm wearing the U on my helmet, so I'm satisfied. It, it It's tough to say that because when you look at, as we kept going, we had probably like six of those guys. I would probably say, you know, in my the later class, right? You know, you got the John Beesons of the world. You got the Greg Olsons of the world, Brandon Merriweather, uh, Baraka Atkins. You know, those are the guys like when I was a senior were the leaders. But as you look at the depth and the trickle down, you didn't have the same thing. When you look at 2001, 2002, 2000, the freshmen were Frank Gore, Kellen Winslow, Antro Roll, you know, Ke you know, Kelly Jennings on special teams. Yeah. That are studs competing, fighting, talking about I'm going to be a first round pick. I know if I put in the work, I'm going to be a first round pick. And their mentality was completely different, I think, than when we got when I got older and some of the younger dudes that we came in. 
you started to see more of the mold of, I don't know if I'm more saying I'm, I'm happy to be here just because I got the U on my helmet, but I feel like it just started changing um, as far as the mentality of a person and what it takes to be great. Yeah. Because we were spoiled with the guys that we had in front of us. Yeah. When you went in that locker room, you were scared. Like you, you had some fear, like, man, if I'm, am I going to get whooped today? Like as a freshman, what am, what am I going to have to do? And, you know, we slowly trickled away from that. Like, Oh, you can't haze. Oh, you can't shave heads. And it's like, yeah, but why not? That brings yeah. you together as a team that makes the freshmen come together and fight for each other. You know, that camaraderie that you, you want to gain as a freshman, it started going away from that. And little by little, I was just like, you're just not seeing the same guys when we were great as far as being recruited. Man, that, that's that's deep right there. You know, and again, like we hear about that, right? Obviously here in the Kang gang, you know, we get former players on, you know, Santana touched on that same thing. You know, those are guys that wanted to succeed and get to that next level. They wanted to put the work on the field. It wasn't just because they put that helmet on. Like, they were dogs. You know, it's again, and, and obviously, you know, like, if you're hurt, like, you might not get back on the field. You better be playing when you're hurt, you know, because if you come out for a play or two, like, you might not get your job back. You know, again, you talk about, you know, that that 2000 class and 01 class and, you know, with with just a running back room alone, and we got to go to break in about 30 seconds, but with Peyton and Gore and McGahee and Jackson and Davenport, you know, and Portis, like, it's it's crazy to think about, you know, the, the type of athletes that were in that backfield, like, at the same time. You know, Willis McGahee being a third-string fullback up at FSU, you know, in 2001, like, like really? You know? And, again, I say this to this day. If Frank Gore doesn't tear his ACL, you don't probably even see McGahee on oh, the no. field. Frank was that good, right? So, Bird, real quick, take us a break. We'll be right back with uh, with uh, Brad Monroe and uh, the Kenny Gang Radio Show. All right, you're listening to the Kenny Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio, channel 145. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see what's a bad idea to do that? I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Good thing nobody can see you crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home. Privacy of your own home. Watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> 
Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. you, you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. All right, we're back here in the second second segment on the second hour of the Kang Gang Radio Show, chopping it up with Brian Monroe, Dirty Birds over there holding it down. If you look back there, you got the uh, you got the OB, you know, rocking the background bird. I, I appreciate that because uh, there was nothing like that old girl. Now, now, B, you got to play, you got to play in the old girl. You know, obviously, we get to go watch over at. No, well, let me rephrase this. You did get to play in Joe Robbie in two thousand four against FSU in the bowl mm-hmm. game. You know, mm-hmm. but. There was nothing like playing in the OB. Nah, I mean, listen, you know, people always talk about, oh, you know, it was a dump. It was this. I said, listen, you can say whatever you want, but you don't want to come in there at a night game against the U. And let me see 
you just don't. I mean, the OB at night was just something different. It was just something special. Uh-huh. And I mean, I can think of so many games in my time. We just mentioned the Florida game, the Louisville game with Hester, the West Virginia game. Like Kelly Winslow, four, fourth and ten, catching yep. the pass over the middle. <laughs> Petey with like uh, Petty with like I don't know five field goals, six field yeah. goals in the game. You know, it's just the, the mystique of the Orange Bowl. Teams didn't want to come in there. And then also, no. when we used to play Florida State at twelve o'clock. Oh, high noon, baby! Give it to me all. You give me that game every year at high noon, especially in the OB. Like, I don't care about dope, but, you know, again, that 2000 game, and again, I've been going to games since 1991, but that 2000 game in the OB, high noon, like, there was no liquids at halftime, and, like, and that was the issue. 2000 no, degrees. Oh, bro, it was brutal, but, like, you're right. But that was a problem with Miami fans, too, right? And, again, obviously, you got the experience, you know, a noon against Rutgers per se, you might have 15,000, 20,000 fans, you know? <laughs> so, and it's crazy, you know, you got these, you got these studs and you're the number one team in the country and you got 20,000 fans in the stands, you know? Um, Look, you know, <laughs> as, as, as we go through it and it's, and it's been so long, people always bring that up and that's always the, the butt of the joke. Oh, you guys don't got fans. I say, you're right. Some games we don't, you know why? Cause we ain't Gainesville. We ain't Tallahassee. We got stuff to do yes. in Miami. Correct. If it's 12 o'clock, and we playing Rutgers and they bums and it's going to be on the beach. 60 to nothing. Why am I going to spend hundreds of dollars to go to the Canes when they're going to whoop them when I could go ahead, take my phone, put it on the beach, on the boat, turn on the TV, <laughs> kill my fans, kill my girls, and just have a good time. I'm sorry that you you in Gainesville, you ain't got nothing else to do. That ain't my feel Nothing so, else. And, and, and listen, I'm not knocking those guys that are going on the boat and doing that, but my ass is going to be in the stands. Oh, no. <laughs> right. We're a different breed, though. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way as you. I'm a junkie. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I don't think I've missed any really home games since I've, you know, I've left Miami besides like being on vacation yeah. or something like that. Normally I'm there. I go yeah. to the game. Oh, 100%. I, and I obviously, you know, with social media, like obviously we follow each other on the gram and stuff like that. So again, I'll see you posting a picture there. I'll post a picture there. Um, I want to ask you some questions. Um, who is your favorite teammate at the University of Miami and why? Favorite teammate? Uh, I mean, I guess I got to go with Beeson. You know? I figured I, I wrote that down because it literally says right here, Beeson. Like, yeah, I figured. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, we, we came to Miami. I didn't like him at first. You know, um, I thought he Cat was, out of Chaminade. Yeah, Chaminade. You know, I don't know if he had that, like, small school, you know, bravado that he had to be, like, puff his chest out and be like, yeah, you know what, John Beeson, baby. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, he has said some things where I'm just like, man, will this dude shut up and just get the Like, bro, no one wants to hear from you. I and love so, that guy. I love that guy. No end. <laughs> and then we, we became friends because um, we stayed at – Francesco Zamponia's house in yep. one of the in the summer session um, after a freshman year, and we became cool there. And I still didn't like him at the beginning, but then we had we had very similar uh, personalities, backgrounds, stuff like that. Single mom raised us. Uh, we're both like neat freaks when it comes to like being clean and, t- and tidy. So we just said like, you know, you want a room. So then we were, became roommates in college. And then after that, you know, we we're like this now, you know, wherever one goes, we're normally the other one's there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, and, and I did write this down because, you know, you talk about that camaraderie. You talk about that brotherhood that the alumni have at the University of Miami. And there's no other brotherhood in the country mm-hmm. like the brotherhood at the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, we had on uh, we had Melvin Bratton on a couple weeks ago and we were talking about Melvin. 
you know, and again, Melvin's one of them old heads where, you know, he starts talking about, you know, we have a group chat and, you know, we got like all these different people on this chat and, you know, Tolbert Bain and The Rock and all that. Like, 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 look at some of the people who came out of the University of Miami that you guys have legitimate access to, you know, to be able to say, hey, look, man, we're brothers. You know, I wore this, I wore this orange and green. You wore that orange and green. And, you know, you, like I said, you look at somebody like The Rock, like who, who represented and, and doing what he's doing, right? Um, it's just great to be able to have that brotherhood. Are you guys like, does your class have kind of like that group chat, you know, thing as well? Um, as far as, you know, a bunch of you guys all together, just, you know, group texting and things like that. Yeah. I think we all got like, you know, group chats with, you know, different groups, right. You know, obviously you got like the DJ Williams and the Vilma group and the, you know, Antrol group, like, Hey, we're going to bring the kids together for a barbecue. Okay, cool. You know, whose house is going to be at like that. Then, you know, obviously I got my guys like Beeson and Kyle Wright, Francesco Zamponia. You know, we got our, our click in our group and stuff like that. But I think the thing about Miami fraternity is it doesn't matter when you went to the U, but all that matters is you went to the U. So, you know, I'm cool with the likes of Lamar Thomas and stuff like that and Darren Smith and all these guys that played way back in the day. But you see him is just kind of it's cool. Like, yeah, What's up? how's everything? Life good. You know, if I could do anything for you, let me know, whatever, you know, and I think that's the the one unique bond that we have that no university can say they have because, you know, they, they love to say, oh, we're the best brother. No, you're not. You're just not. You're, really, <laughs> you're not. You, you can't touch what we have. You guys want to be able to what we have, right. but you can't. And that's the reason why when you go into the NFL locker room, most dudes are a little bit jealous of dudes that go to the U. doesn't matter when we were, we were down, even when we were, you know, playing bad. When you went in that, the locker room, the dudes be like, man, I hate y'all, man. Like, man. I'm like, oh. <laughs> You hate us? Why? He goes, yeah, I wanted to go there. I'll be like, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I so, thought, but it's cool. Yeah, go ahead. So, B, talking about, you know, um, your time at the U and everything and that brotherhood, what is your greatest off-the-field memory that you have from your time there? Off-the-field, man. And one, one that you can say on air because I know y'all got <laughs> down there. Man, so. It's actually it's it's actually a funny one that you know kind of we can't say on air, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Seven floor crew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what I was so when people say seven floor crew, seven floor Mahoney, where I was at was actually the one that was shot out, and everybody else was on some at home Pearson. So I don't know why they got the seven floor crew and we were. We were <laughs> all right. Seven floor OG. Those were, you know, those are all freshman guys that were on, you know, the practice squad. They weren't traveling or they were injured. That's why they were doing it. They were just passing time, like, in the um, in the dorms. And I'm like, Yo, y'all release this now that these guys are all good and stuff like that. But yeah. um, favorite off the field menu um, memory, you know, I'll probably say my, my favorite menu memory is uh, getting my degree. I think that's oh, nice. Amazing. Okay. My, mom, my mom was there, but for more funny entertainment. So it was <laughs> my freshman year. And um, Coconut Grove had this club called Banana Joe's, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, when you're freshman, sophomore, sometimes the juniors would hang. But, like, we wouldn't go to South Beach all the time right away. You know, we used to hang out in, in, in Coconut Grove. We used to go to Sandbar on Thursdays, Moe's, and do the whole nine yards. So we're in, we're, in, uh, we're in Banana Joe's, and some of the dudes have recruits. And it was uh, TC, Thomas Carroll. He had um, – Number 90. Number 90. Who do you have? Carlos. Man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now with his last name. T2, we called him. T2. He was a corner from Memphis. Carlos. Big old yoked up dude. So we in there. There's probably like 10 of us. Maybe 12, 13. And I could just see. And he was a recruit. I could just see him like 
talking to this girl and I'm okay, oh, just looking. And they kind of, you know, going at it a little bit. And then some dude steps in and I see Thomas like step in. And you know, when you kind of know some dude is about to swing. Yeah. You just have an instant, like I, it's, this dude's about to swing on top, TC. So dude just swings, bam. And at the time I had never been in a fight. Never been in a fight in my life, ever. You know, I've been in verbal fights, but never been in like punch somebody. And for whatever reason, I'm just standing like if TC's here, I'm like kind of standing to the side of him and I'm a lefty. Yeah. So the dude came through and I just came through him, right? And I'm like, and this is like in the middle of the club. All of a sudden I look to the right and there's a dude with dreads, this big old dude just coming at me, charging at me. I'm like, man, damn, see? This is why I don't get in fights. <laughs> I square up, and next thing I know, Greg Olson comes through. Bam! Hits him. And next thing you know, we just, you know, we doing like a little tap dance on him and stuff like that. G-Reg. It, like, <laughs> it was like four of them versus ten of us. They got thrown out the club. We continue to have a good time. I think that was my first time, like, really bonding with a lot of dudes on my team that I maybe never really chill with like that. So you know, the one common theme that we have every single time with, with, you know, every time we have a guest on and, you know, they tell an off the field story. I mean, you could just see how that, how that brotherhood goes through. And one thing's true. Y'all never ran like two or three. Like, it's not like, Oh, no. me and Beeson was out. Like, it's like, Oh, there was like 12, 13, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15 of us. You guys rolled deep everywhere all the time, man. So that's, that's really good to hear, man. Yeah. Come, we what were you going to say? We definitely. Uh, Go, go ahead, old deep, you know, and then we also had the old heads too that were there. So yeah, you, you dealing with a lot, like you ain't dealing with like no regular <laughs> dudes, like you dealing with like I was like yeah. a small dude, I was a small dude in the group, and I'm like I ain't that small, but I feel you know I'm looking at these other dudes are six four, six five, six seven, and here I am six two, two ten. <laughs> well, it's funny you said you look to the right and you see this dude with dreads and. I'm thinking you're gonna say, you know, Darnell Jenkins. You know what I mean? I'm thinking you're bringing Jenkins coming through, like, you know. No, no, Newt wasn't there that night. Newt wasn't there. Oh, man. Like, see, these are just some of the guys that I just miss, you know, that who, those are like, even like Darnell Jenkins, like, guy who just gave their all out there, you know? Yeah. Um, What was it like running through that smoke? So, Mm -hmm. my seats, so right now, I actually just moved my seats, but like at, at Hard Rock, where they run through the tunnel. Um, I have row one. There's only two seats right there. My wife and I sit right there. So we get to feel that smoke, baby. Like it's right there. But like, it's like, <laughs> I get to experience some of that smoke, but what's it like running through that smoke? There's nothing like it. You know, it's nothing like it. You know, it gives you the chills talking about it. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's something that people dream about. You know, yeah. kids dream about running out of that smoke and putting on, on the U, um, you know, I really didn't watch football growing up, but you know, the first time running out of smoke was against Florida at night. OB. Oh, yes, oh. it was, just, oh, it was just different. You know, the the place was electric. You know, the helmet starts shaking, so the fans know we're about to come out, and the place was just crazy rocking. Like, you know, I get chills mm. right now just talking about it. And you know, to me, that's the smoke means. You know, it means everything. You know, we're trendsetters. That's what we do with the U. You know, we're the right. first ever to do the smoke. Everybody want to copy our style. You know, it's all good. But we, we got to introduce swag to everybody. No doubt. You know, it's, you know, being able to go to the OB. And I was one of those guys who sat in the West End Zone, right? So back then, the West End Zone, it was general admission. 
it's first come first serve. So we're, and I'm that guy who is five hours at the gate waiting for the gate to roll up. Like I, because, and it's a sprint, right? So if you remember the OB, when you came yep. in from the West side, it literally was just a ramp with like a spiral and then right out to the field. So as soon as they started rolling, like, and again, it was like, a, it wasn't like an electric motor. Like they had people cranking like, no. like the fence, bro, like to roll it up. Yeah. So, and I was a small guy, I was like 120 pounds. So I would always be right in the front. And as soon as they started rolling, I would drop down and roll, you know, like stop, drop and roll. I would roll under the fence <laughs> and then I was mad dashing to get to my seat, man. Cause Listen, we just I wanted see- to have the same seats. <laughs> I've seen him practically do that at the Oklahoma State game this last year, man. Oh, he still does the same thing. That's not what he used to do. He still does that. I'll let him fool you. Even though he's got tickets and knows exactly where the seats are. Exactly. <laughs> I man, like, you know, like, I'm like a kid in the candy store. When it comes to the University of Miami football, like, yeah. I'm a kid in the candy store. My wife does not understand, like, what it means. She looks at me like I'm dumb. She's like, it means that much to you. I'm like, Yeah. Like get used to it, you know. So she's been around it long enough now where she's, you know, she sees it. She still thinks I'm an idiot, you know, when I go to the games. But like, <laughs> like, bro, like I'm a kid in the candy store. Like, like seeing former alumni like means the world to me. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, and she's like, How do you know everybody by number? You know, and, and, and so the other day, you know, again, I've been doing a countdown, obviously. You know, I kind of posted one with you for the 39 days, you know, and as I do a countdown, she's like, You have pictures with everybody. And I said almost, and I did. I did post that the other day. All the years I've been going to University of Miami games, I don't have a picture. Dan Morgan, Dan Morgan. Like, bro, you know what? When it comes down to it, this is the the most controversial. No, no, it's a question. It's a question. Don't no, don't ruin it yet. Because when we come back, like on the second segment, I got questions, and I'm gonna bring that up. Because okay. I know <laughs> where you're going with that, and, and yeah, I am 100 yeah. like full bore. <laughs> yes. So that'll be thing. So right before we go to break, let me ask you another question. Um, and, and we can lead into that as, as we go through. Um, All Canes Radio, obviously you're doing big things over there. You guys have brought it back. You guys did it in the past. Um, it's starting to come back. So we got about two more minutes before we go to break. Talk to me a little bit about All Canes Radio. So, yeah, we, you know, All Canes Radio started back in the day on 790 The Ticket. It was a radio show. Um, that's actually how I got my introduction to sports media, uh, being a guest on there. And then Harry and Platson, who, you know, runs Pro Canes, and Harry is Mr. All Canes himself. Oh, they yeah. approached me about, you know, revamping it and bringing it back in a podcast. Um, so I was like, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's have some fun. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is from the past. We bring in all the old guys from, you know, from everything from baseball, basketball, um, football. We might bring in some soccer. Who knows? Um, but we just love to tell stories. Yeah. We love to just talk about times at the U, funny stories, crazy stories, time in the NFL, what they're doing now. We just have a really good time at it. And we just, you know, reminisce about the times that they were at the U and bring out the stories maybe Canes fans haven't heard. And that's that's the key thing. And that's why we do our show, right? Because our show is about bringing back a lot of former alumni. We had Eric yeah. Winston on the show a couple of weeks ago. What a phenomenal guy he was. Yeah, we, surprised, we surprised him when bringing Joel Rodriguez on as well. And Joel's a good friend of ours. And Joel was literally three sheets to the wind down in the Keys. They just yeah. finished up. They literally just finished up, like, you know, <laughs> camp and stuff. He was literally, like, we're talking mm. F-bomb central for, like, two minutes straight. And we're like, radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 
um, former former alumni and just be able to chop it up and stuff like that. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see what's a bad idea to do that? I didn't bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing. You're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look back. You get that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good thing nobody can see crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometime. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't.
On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Final segment here on this two-hour show, the Kang Gang Radio, here on Sirius XM Slam Radio, Channel 145, where we do everything Kings. Um, you know, so V, right before we went to break, you were going to say something, right? We brought up a name. But I, I want to play a game of true or false with you, if, if that's okay. okay. Because I wrote some things down here, and I just want to get your perspective on on what you think on this. So I'm going to throw these out. We, sometimes we do rapid-fire questions. Today I figured we just do true or false. So okay. I'm going to start with – and again, this is – We'll get into some other stuff later, but I want to ask these questions. True or false? Miami has at least nine wins this year. That better be true. (laughs) He said it better be true. Better be true. (laughs) Agreed. Uh, Okay. Um, Lou Henley wins the Lou Groza Award. True. True. I'm I'm good with that because he should have won it last year. Uh, No, you know what? I'll say this. The kid from Georgia Tech, really, he was good. I'll say this. Lou Headley did an amazing job. Phenomenal. Probably one of, if not the best single season as a punter in Miami history, unless you go back to the Feagles days with coffin corners and stuff. He did lead and set a record in the net punting, yeah. but the kid from Georgia Tech beat him in everything else pretty much. So he I beat him in, but he beat him in like 400, like 40 pounds as well. Hey, like, hey. <laughs> I didn't know Lou. No, Georgia, he is not. George is trying to use for one of those alignment that they had, exactly. man. Punter. I think Lou takes it this year, but you know, the kid from Georgia Tech, I give him props because one, he's a brother, you know what I'm saying? Representing yeah. black punters. Yeah. But he did a good job. Yeah. The kid, the kid had a serious leg. He did. Yeah. He did. We had a good um, So Miami beats Alabama. False. <laughs> like elaborate. All right. So I'm a realist. Okay. I love my team to death. I would love them to win, and I'd love to, you know, eat my words. But when it comes down to it, Alabama is the standard of college football. They've been the standard for the last 10 to 12 years, 13 years. Do I think we're going to take the next step? Yeah, I think our offense is going to take the next step because you bring back everybody except Brevin Jordan. Yeah. You have an offensive line that's going to be quality because they played together a long time. They're seniors, most of them. Um, but when you look at Alabama, they got a wall for men in the front. They got the Great Wall of China. So when it comes down to it, they got six, five-star backs behind them. Nick Saban was going to look at our film and be like, okay, North Carolina, they don't set the edge. North Carolina, the linebackers can't fill and run and, and, and run the gap. All right, cool. Let's see what they got. Hand off. Hand off. Hand off. <laughs> Hand off. And if we can't stop it, then it's going to be a long night. Keep running it. And then what he's going to do, he's going to go hand off. And the next one, he's going to go whoop, pull it and pop, go to the tight end. That's going to be an All-American this year. That's stupid athletic. And – one thing for me that scares me this year is our defense. So you look at our defense. We're led by our secondary. We have very senior um, safeties and Bubba and Gervin Hall. Yep. You got some talented young guys behind them. Your corners, you're bringing Tyreek Stevenson from Georgia. You got DJ Ivy, your H uh, blades on the outside. Cool. Okay, now let's look up front. I don't know what we got on defensive end. We got talent. 
but are they talented enough in the game? They're right. young. You got yeah. the transfer from Tennessee. I never really seen him play, so I got to wait and watch. Right. You got Nesta in the middle. Nesta, to me, last year did this. Some day, some games he would be, wow, All-American. Some games he would disappear. Yeah. So that scares me with it. Then, to me, the most suspect thing that we have that's what Nick Sanders <laughs> is our linebacker. You know why? We, we rotated about six guys last year, true freshmen, Sam Brooks, all types of dudes, and – you know Nick Saban. Nick Saban is a schemer. When he looks at you, he's going to say, okay, where can I exploit them on their defense? And he's going to look at our linebackers, and he's going to do like a lot of people do and try to do like crisscrosses, confuse our young dudes, and all of a sudden a linebacker is going to go like this, and that tight end is going to go like this, and we're going to get a bomb. So yeah. for me, I hope it's more like a 40-something, 30-something game or 40-something to 40-something game. <laughs> but like I've been saying for the last – Five years, six years. We should be this. Our record should be this. We shouldn't lose to this type of team, but we do. Okay. So leading into my next question, is Manny on the hot seat? This year? No. Okay. And, unless, and unless he bombs and has five wins. Correct. So this is where I feel like Manny needs to right the wrong. And I think Manny's done this over the last couple of seasons. Again, we talked about this in the first hour. We had a problem with the OC with Dan Enos. Got rid of him, brought in Rhett Lashley. Great. I love the move because you know what? You're showing me leadership that you're the head coach. Your defense now, again, with Blake Baker, I don't want to put all the blame on Blake Baker because you're you're the you're the defensive coordinator, head coach, whatever you are, you know you're involved in those defensive schemes. So not all the blame, I think, goes on Blake Baker. I think some of that has to go on Manny Diaz as well. Now you have nobody to blame because now you're calling plays. Do you agree? My question is, do you agree with Manny Diaz? Take True or false? Manny Diaz as D.C. is good. True. And I mean, why? Well, because, listen, I respect Manny for what he did. I think that's what's the problem with our last two coaches and Al Golden and um, Mark Richt. I think when you, at, when you look at Al Golden, Al Golden's offense were amazing. I mean, Stephen Morris and them threw up all types of, you know, yards, but our defense sucked, and that was his best friend. He wouldn't get rid of his defensive coordinator. You had a Manny Diaz defense without Golden offense. You're in the finals week year in and year out. Correct. Mark Rick. Mark Rick brings in Manny Diaz, and our defense is amazing. But Mark but he's Rick, stubborn. Was he's loyal? <laughs> which he said he would be loyal, and I and I'm cool with that. Yeah. But he wouldn't give up the reins to you know bring us into the to 2000s offense instead of the 90s. Yeah. And they got stuck with that. I respect Manny Diaz because he brought in a guy. It didn't work on offense. He fired the whole staff. He brought in a new staff. It worked. He brought in dudes on defense. It didn't work. He fired them. Now he's bringing a new defense and says, you know what? It's on me. And if it doesn't work this year, I'm the only person to blame. So I can respect him as a man when it comes to that. Correct. So here's another question for you. True or false? Reggie Wayne, NFL Hall of Famer. True. Yeah. And why isn't he? Man, look at the numbers. No, why isn't he based on? Oh, yeah, uh, because why? you know what? Reggie wasn't. Reggie wasn't that, you know, outspoken, flashy type of dude. So Reggie's going to just have to be one of those guys that gets in on second or third ballot. Like, he's not going to be the first ballot because, uh, you know, yeah, they won a, a Super Bowl, but Peyton and Marvin Harrison get all the love more. And then you look at the other guys that are first ballot uh, receivers, which, where there's not a lot of them. They're more flashy, outspoken dudes. You know, Reggie's more of the quiet dude. He lets his, his play speak for itself, which – He's a baller. He's one of the best route runners in the game, one of the most sure-handed receivers. So, to me, I expect him to be a second, third uh, ballot Hall of Fame, but no doubt Hall of Famer. 
All right, so here's my last question. Dan, is Dan Morgan the best middle linebacker to ever play at the University of Miami? So are we doing career at UM or both? Just, just UM. When it comes to UM, it's Dan. Like, you know what? You, you, can't, you can't argue it for one reason. Dan was something that no football player, not even Miami football player, Correct. no college middle linebacker has ever done before. Won all three awards. All three awards. Butkus, um, Nagurski, and the other. So when you look at it, one, he was he was blessed and fortunate enough to play as a true freshman, which a lot of guys. And he had to, but he had had to, to, which a lot of guys that you don't have that luxury because there was so much talent stacked in front of him. So his stats were able to get padded. But then when you do what you did your last year, you can't you can't deny it. Now, if Dan never had the concussion problems. Uh-huh. We might be talking about Dan as one of the best linebackers to play in the NFL as well and rival, you know, Ray as considered that best linebacker to come out of the U because what Ray did in the league obviously separates himself as being known as the best linebacker to come out of the U. Yeah, that's why I always try to preface that conversation with at Miami only because, again, if you take college and pro, yeah, Ray, Ray is phenomenal and, and Ray deserves all the accolades and the credit that he deserves. Just like I say, if, if Frank Gore doesn't tear his ACL, you probably don't see McGahee. Nope. If Nate Webster doesn't probably go to the NFL, you might not see Dan Morgan. Yep. But, and again, here Dan Morgan is coming from Terabella as a fullback. Again, look at DJ came in. DJ played fullback. His first, you know, he's like, look, put me on the field somewhere. You know, Those <laughs> guys are just freak athletes. I literally just watched the 2000 Miami FSU game we just talked about a little bit ago. And literally in the first half, Dan Morgan had – I think it was 12 tackles, forced fumble, interception at the goal line. He didn't even come back in the second half because he couldn't. He, you know, he's in the locker room trying to get IVs. And then that's when Vilma came in. You know, like it's it's crazy to think about what kind of talent Dan Morgan was at the University. And we have so take away, take away Vilma, Beeson, and maybe maybe Denzel. What other really linebacker? I mean, you could throw, maybe show throw Sean Spence in there as well. As far as from that time, from the 2000s, how many like like bona fide linebackers have we had? Less the people I just named in the 2000s. No, from 2000 to now, you take away oh, so Denzel. If you go Sean back, Spence. if you go back to 2000, you go uh, my freshman year, Daryl McClover. He was not 49. Third. He went. To, he was a third string, but he made six years in the league with the Jets yeah. and a couple other dudes. Yeah, yeah Rocky, Rocky, Rocky McIntosh, T-Good. See good. You got uh, Leon Williams. Leon Williams, which is which was a beast. Um, Number forty four. <laughs> an absolute just freak. But you look at the dudes yeah. in front of him. It's like you you can't because I got these guys in front of you. Yeah. Um. So uh, after John was, I guess uh, Daryl Sharpton. Yep. Decent. Not I'm decent. Okay. So what do we we just talk about dudes or are we talking about like studs? No, I'm talking about studs. Oh no, we ain't got that. I mean, again, you take from Dan, Vilma, Beeson, um, and I throw Sean Spence and Perryman. Like, uh, literally yeah, five I, or six guys. You got to throw Rocky in there. Rocky, yeah, Rocky's my dog. Rocky's, Rocky's good. good. Rocky's so, but good. literally, so you got seven guys in literally 20 years that literally that you can throw down. And most of those guys are from 07. Denzel yeah. was the only one, you know, past 2010. Yeah. Like, and that's where, I, that's where I, I agree with you in our linebacker core, you know, going back against Alabama. Like, we don't have those dudes that no. can really, and, and you look at the Reuben Fosters and the guys that are coming out of Alabama, like 
Like, we just don't have those guys. You know, I'll take the big white dude from Clemson, Stalinsky or whatever his name was. Like, yeah. he's, he's still there. I'm just Stalski saying. Like, yeah. Stalski. Stalski. Listen, like we, the one thing about them is that they're going to be in the right gap. They're going right. to know their assignment. You know, they might not get there like a full, you know, blown bullet, but they're going to be there. Our dudes sometimes, you know, their processes are slow. You look at them and it's like, okay, I, I see them going that way. Okay, cool. I don't know what my check is. Okay, snap. Okay, now I react. You know, that's the difference between a tackle for a loss and a five-yard, six-yard game. Yeah. And if you watch, you know, our games last year. Oh, I watched them. <laughs> they, don't know how to, they don't know how to run fit. Our linebackers don't know how to run fit. Like, they look, you know, weird when they're coming off. And the reason I know so much about linebackers is because I watch the game with a linebacker. So yeah. he's always telling me and schooling me about this and that. And it's weird. If an, a former player that's not even in the film room with you knows what they're running, how don't you know what they're running? Correct. And so like if that, you, if he that can call it question. out, how come you can't call it out? Right. So let me ask you this. So obviously, Paradise Camp, a lot of former players, they go back and start working, coaching with the kids, right? Yeah. Do some of the former players ever get to sit and talk with the current coaching staff and kind of give a little bit of insight? They got open doors and they got phones. Does okay. it, but is it reciprocated? I'll I'll just say that. How about that? I'm a I'm gonna leave it at that. You know, maybe maybe some dudes they um they 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 hear some things, but um I'll just say that you know in that in that Florida game when we played them up there in Orlando, someone I know, I'm not gonna say who, watch film on Florida, broke everything down. And goes, all right, cool. When they do this formation, 85% of the time they run this way. When they do this formation, 85% of they run this way. If they go this formation, they're gonna go quick game to the left. When they do, and I'm like, all right, cool. Text messages were sent, phone calls were sent, nothing was sent back. And by the way, <laughs> I watched that Florida, I watched that Florida game and I was calling sure enough. <laughs> I was calling out plays left and right. Gosh, man. I said, and oh, oh. It's trips. It's this. Okay, cool. They're coming this way. And, you know, our linebackers, if you watch that uh, Kadarius Tony. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Number one. Kadarius Tony screen out to the right. Yeah. You know, the most basic information. Okay, he shifts. Okay, where's our shift? We didn't even shift. Yeah. Like, not even <laughs> one simple person. Nobody kicked out. So yeah. what do you expect? Like, that's the small things I think that piss off guys that play the position at the U in the past and played it at a high level. That it's not that you're 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 busting on complicated plays you're doing the most simple things you're not shifting and yeah. then you're loafing the p thing that pisses off players the most is if you loaf guys that came through the u and played at a high level dudes that are hall of famers at miami dudes that are going to be hall of famers in the league if you don't give 110 every single play they they can't mess with you they can't mess with you because that's right. not how you play the game. Right. You'll be great by going 60% one play and one, 110 the other play. If right. you go 60%, you know what happens? Kadarius Tony to the house. Because yeah. if you go watch the play, you yeah. can look at the D tackles, the DNs, and everybody else, are loaf, loaf, loaf. <laughs> and then also they're like, oh, now I want to go. Now I want to sprint. That's not right. what it is. Sprint yeah. 110 miles an hour to the play. And if you don't make it, cool, get back in the huddle and go do it again. And when you're tired, hey, coach. Let me get a breather. And then the next dude come in 110%. And then you get back in like, yo, 
That is Miami football. If you can't do that, don't come here. Wow. Well, listen, that just summed up a great two-hour show. Brian Rose said, if you don't want to do that, then don't come here. Because you know what? Here. And I agree with you. Because, again, I spend a lot of money watching the University of Miami play. I travel. I go to away games. I go to bowl games. I go sit in 15-degree weather up in New York at a pinstripe bowl to watch you get beat 35-3. to <laughs> You know what? It's not going to change. I'm going to continue to do it to the day I die. But, it, you know, listen, I'm with you on that, man. That's a great perspective. And a great way probably to go ahead and end this 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 uh this two-hour show with that. If you don't want to put into work, don't come to the U. It's facts. It From Brian Monroe. Facts. <laughs> it's facts. Listen, what 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 makes anybody great? Give me any, give me anything. I don't care if it's a sport. Give me the best marketer. Give me the best person on TV. Give me the best lawyer. Give me the best salesman. What makes you great? You that work ethic. When people are sleeping, you work. If you look at the best people ever to come through the U, John Taylor, that man was running at 12 o'clock at night because he said there was a safety in Oklahoma sleeping right now. Yeah. John Vilma, John Beeson, Antrell Roll, the dudes I've been around. Hey, man, we getting extra this. We going to run extra this. I'm working out three times a day. If you don't want to work, you ain't going to be great. And I don't care if you play football the rest of your life. When you get into the the, the real world and you want to be an accountant, and you want to move up in your company and be this lawyer, you got to bust your ass, beat the, dude that's, beat the dude that's next to you in the cubicle playing video games, and you're a dude where the boss is going to be like, oh, damn, he's putting in work, and I'm going to promote him. If you can't that's do what's that, up. you just sit home. That's it. 100%. All right, Bird, that's that, that's that segment. Go ahead. Close us out, and then, B, hang out real quick for us. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio Channel 145. We will see you next week. The views and opinions expressed on Kane Gang are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.